It's Beelis Daily on the new 105.5 Sports Live from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios here in Auburn. Aaron Morse filling in for Maddie B on this Tuesday morning. Happy to have on the phone from CentralMaine.com, Travis Barrett joining us here on the show. And, well, Travis, first of all, I'm looking at some of your recent articles. Girls basketball in Class A, are we headed towards a um, Skowhegan Greeley State Championship game, you think? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I <know>. Yes. <laughs> I, I think so, but I also, um, there's always still a caveat of, well, it's funny, I was just talking to somebody about it yesterday, about how the um, games change a little bit when you get to the tournament. Now, I, I still think, you still have to go beat Skowhegan, but, you know, I watched the game um, the other night, I saw Lawrence play Winslow Girls, and, it, you know, Lawrence played really well, and um, shot really well, he shot like 60% from the field for the game, and I thought, yeah, but here's the catch is that some of the stuff that um, doesn't get called in regular season games, some of those physical games, some of those, you know, whether you're fighting for rebounds or off the ball screens, some of that stuff just tends to get called so much tighter in the tournament that I think that's where you kind of run into um, the var- that variable that makes it really hard to predict. And you're playing three games in a week, and you're playing really good teams. So it's always about how the teams respond to those kind of those kind of things that you throw at them, but I, I would I would say yeah probably. I mean I, I just everybody I've seen doesn't really have an answer for Skowhegan uh, up this way, and I think you know I, last week I think I said I thought Lawrence was kind of a sleeper, and then having seen them play as well as they did the other night, I thought well maybe they're more than a sleeper, maybe mm. they're maybe they're a contender, but I just think it's hard to count on shooting that well every night, and I think that's where that's where Skowhegan presents a bad matchup for. Lawrence, because when um, Skowhegan decides to start pounding the ball inside and Lawrence isn't making any shots, then I think Skowhegan has an edge there. But I, I don't know. I, I I think I've said it before. Just, I'm ready for the tournament to start. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. That I don't wish that week on any media person because it's such a grind. But at the same time, like I kind of want to see how all of this plays out. We're at a point in the season where we've seen big games and we've seen – how things might play out. We all think we have an idea. I'm kind of at the point where I, all right, let's just, let's go do it. Let's go, let's go see what happens. I think the other thing that happens, Travis, at the tournament site is happened to me. First time I played at the Bangor auditorium, Bangor high school used to play their games at the auditorium and you play in your regular gym. There's either a stage or a wall or something behind the basket. You go there and there's nothing back behind it. Then you shoot your first shot and it doesn't hit anything. You go, Whoa, what happened there? Yeah. So yeah, it's a it's point. a different environment. That's a good point. And, and there's definitely, um, you know, there's no doubt that's the reason that coaches have started looking at the number of games they're allowed to schedule. And, like, they play that Christmas tournament at the Augusta Civic Center, and they have yep. a preseason tournament there. Because I think those guys are really, they're really looking at how can we get, um, how can we get more looks inside that building? Because you're right, it's totally different. It's the sound is different. The crowd is different. The uh, the depth is different. It, it, yeah, it, it is a different animal for sure. And I think um, I remember last year, right when Gardner had the uh, they had the gym damage, the water damage, and they got displaced. And it was, you know, there was there was a reason they played a few. There more than half of their home games, I think it was, ended up being at the Augusta Civic Center because I think it was a chance to be like, hey, look, if that building's open, we can use it. Sure, we might as well. So. Um, yeah, I think it's, that's a great point. It is. It's a whole. I think the other thing too that um, 
we get we get lost in and, and because we are dealing with kids, right? We're dealing with kids, and um, I remember it's not the same, but I'll tell you the story anyway. It was um, when Andrew Tucci, who's the goalie at Colby College, um, he shut out St. Anselm on a Tuesday night, and it was his first college shutout. This was in early December, I think, and. Uh, and I said, so what was different tonight? Because he said he kind of had a feeling. I said, what was different? And he thought that one of the things that helped him was that it was a non-traditional game day for them in that he went to class all day like any other Tuesday. He got done with classes, then it was time to eat, and then it was time to go get ready for the game. And I think when it comes to, like, the high school basketball tournament, that's a long week of, oh, I'm going to sit around and watch this game, and we're going to watch this game because, you know, I play on a travel team with these kids, and, you know, a game might run late, you're sitting in the bleachers and you're just waiting. And I know that, like, during the regular season, you get the whole, like, we're watching the JV game and it's running a little long. But I think there's something to no school and your schedule's totally different and now you're playing in a totally different environment and you're asked to play the best teams in the region and you're asked to play your best basketball all in a span of eight days or whatever it is. Sure. I think there's something, if it's, Again, you're talking 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. That's a, that's a tough ask in some, in some cases. I told somebody one time, now remember, this is a while ago when I coached at Skowhegan, uh, not everybody wore sneakers every day like they do now. And yep. so we, we get into uh, the first week of school, and then uh, during practice that week, all of a sudden my guys have got shin splints. I'm going, what is going on? You know, we do all the stretching and whatever. One of my coaches said, Coach, they got shoes on for the first time all summer, you know, and they went yeah, yeah. to school all week, and all of a sudden Thursday and Friday their legs are all cramped up from wearing yeah. shoes. I said, you know what, you're right. So, yeah, it's it's amazing what little things uh, throw yeah. them off. I used to try on a workshop day when they're laying around all day, uh, if I had one of my coaches that didn't work at the school but was available, I'd have them come in for a walkthrough. Yeah. Get them yeah. in, get them off the couch, yeah, uh, eating yeah. chips and, you know, all the other yeah. crap they do. Yep. I, somebody I, told me that I, tournament week he takes his team to a movie. Yeah. Get them out I of the environment. Yeah. yeah, get them out. Um, I, I remember um, two stories, one, quick ones. Um, I remember a, a Providence College goalie who was a freshman who was really highly recruited, and he just could not get his season going. And I remember one of the assistant coaches telling me that he came to practice one day. He's like, I just feel like I can't wake up. Like, I'm so sluggish all the time. And the coach looked at him and said, are you getting out of bed before noon when you don't have class? And he was like, no, 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 I sleep. And he's like, well, that's why. Because you're so, you, your body is just, you're not giving yourself any reason to be active. So, of course, you feel sluggish. And then um, I remember a Premier League um, thing that I saw, soccer players, professional soccer players, who would leave the hotel coach gets them out and they take a two and a half mile walk in the city that they're playing in on game day and he thought and somebody made raise the raised the point of man they kind of run like eight miles this afternoon are you really sure you want to walk two and a half hours he said listen it's all about just getting them moving around so you don't show up in the dressing room and feel like oh my god i gotta wake up you know um it's all part of it i, I think it is a huge part of it you have to you got to be active, and I think sometimes kids don't think about those things, obviously. They just like, yeah, just give me a pack of M&Ms and a Diet Coke, and I'm good to go. <laughs> we listened to the Bates' uh, very successful swim coach say on a Friday when they've got to meet Friday night, he expects yeah. his kids to come to the pool 
and go like crazy. I mean, swim really hard like it's a meat uh, for a short period of time. And he said, get their electrical system, you know, wound up and whatever. And then, you know, they're in good enough shape. He says they've worked 10 minutes after they're out of the pool and taking a, a shower, their body's fine. They're, they're ready to go. And, yeah, you know, same kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have to. It's funny. It is funny how we don't, again, it, it, um, there's so many little instances of it that remind you that you're dealing with high school sports. I thought somebody was saying to me yesterday about Gordon Hayward, and, and he's a doctor. And he was like, I just can't believe he's back. Let alone whether he's good or not or whether he fits in. He's like, yeah. I just can't believe he's playing after that injury. Yeah. And I, and I said to him, I said, listen, I'm not, you know, I'm, this is not a slight at your profession, but. They're not just dealing with the best doctors. They're dealing with the best doctors available around the clock. It's not, I'll see you in two weeks for your follow-up appointment. It's, I'll see you at 5 o'clock for your follow-up appointment. <laughs> yes, you know? absolutely. So yeah. It's, um, there, are, there are things that, obviously, high school athletes don't have available to them. But I do, even my own son, the freshman high school, say to him all the time, like, listen, you got to do, like, I don't care. You know, great kid, does a lot of sports, uh, does really well in school. Uh, I, I think, you know, my wife is always like, oh, the video games, the video games. I was like, listen, what are you going to knock him for? You know, he ranks really high in his class, and he's active in a bunch of stuff all the time. Like, if he needs four hours to himself and his buddies and they're just playing video games, like, I can, I can live with that. But I do say to him, like, sometimes you have to just get up. Just go and, and jog down the end of the street and back. Get your body moving around. You'll feel a hundred times better. Sure. You know? But the kids, you know, so you have to, you know, this isn't the <laughs> NBA, so you have to find a balance. My wife used <laughs> My wife used to say to our kids when it, when the summer started, we live in a we lived in a farm, and she used to say, "If I hear one time you say I'm bored, no, I don't want to hear that ever." Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've talked about a little bit of how kids should prepare for the tournament, but how do you prepare from a media perspective to cover the thing? You've mentioned it's a grind. <laughs> I can't. Um, I- I ran into, I've run into in the last couple of years some old family friends. Like uh, they, they went to high school with my parents. Um, you know, graduated from Hallville in the, in the late 1960s, and uh, they were, you know, right around 1970 probably. But anyway, um, and, and they're huge high school basketball fans. He goes to the, the tournament, he buys the tournament pass, and he's there. And he said to me last year, um, he said, "Man, when I saw you at the game, the week you looked good." And I, I see you at the end of the week, and you look like you have had enough. And I was like, well, it's good to see you, too, Skip. But, um, he said, but I said, you know, and his wife was asking, she's like, how do you do it? And I said, I don't know. You know, I, I think one thing that, that people forget about the media, and I'm not complaining about my job, because, you know, great job, and I love it. Um, but there are times when I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had an 85 job. Um, the, the, every, like, so if you go to the 945 game on a Saturday night, and it's a blowout in the second quarter, and you go, eh, we've been here for six hours. Let's get out of here. We'll go home. We'll, we'll stop and get a late dinner, or we'll just go home, and, and we'll come back tomorrow morning. Um, from a media perspective, you don't get to leave. You know, you're there until it's over, and you're usually there at least an hour to an hour and a half after it's all over trying to wrap everything up. So I think for me, I know it sounds it sounds so stupid, but and it makes it sound way more important than it is. But I try and stay away from beer during the week. I try <laughs> to eat healthy. What I do eat, I try to make healthy because it's just it's uh, you know four, five, twelve hour days in a row. If you're lucky, some of them are longer than that. I've done fourteen and sixteen hours in that building, and so it's just it's such it just drains you. You know, you get you get exhausted. I think the one nice thing about the tournament is like through that whole grind, 
that as you get later in the week, the games become more important, and that kind of gives you a little bit. Of sure. A, that gives you a little bit of a burst. But I'm not going to. Um, I'm not going to lie. There's times. By the time like Wednesday or Thursday rolls around, I'm like, oh my god, is it ever going to end? Because it doesn't feel like it's going to end at some point. Maddie, Maddie takes vacation after that week. Yeah. yeah I, I, I tell fun. you, uh, I've said this before on the air. It's like coaching. You go, football coaching, you go seven days a week and you're going on full speed. And then all of a sudden, and you're not sick ever. I mean, you have a cold. The day yeah, the yeah, season yeah. ends yeah. and your body realizes it's over, you fall apart. Yeah. I you always apart. had a cold or a flu or so something good. when the season ended. I always, I always joke about the, the hard part about being the hockey writer is that um, because that tournament is staggered by, I think it's two weeks. And so when the basketball tournament ends, those guys go, they take a breath, like, oh, thank God. And the hockey, you're then, like, usually, I, if I, I'm pretty sure that when the regional final ends, that that midweek is when the regional quarterfinals are for hockey. I'm pretty yes. sure that's how it lines up. Yes. So there's no... So I don't get a downtime because no. I was like, okay, get in on Monday and start looking at those games for the middle of the week, and and it so and then of course last year the running joke was always thanks a lot Colby College for taking away the end of my winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Frozen Four run. Yeah. <laughs> so and then and then by the time Lake Placid ended at the end of March, uh, you know we were into spring previews that week. So it was. Sure. Uh, I didn't really have a downtime last year, but it's. I mean, I, again, it's hard to complain about it because it's. Um, it's a great time of year, and, and I remember joking with one of the Colby captains last year, like, you know you're ruining my summer. And he said, hey, there's nothing better than playing hockey in March because there's not many teams doing it, you know? Like, when it's warmed up to 50 degrees and you're walking to the rink in just a hooded sweatshirt, like, that's a pretty special time of year yep. for those guys. And, uh, and from a media perspective, when you're covering one of those teams, it's a lot of fun, too, because you kind of you get caught up in, the, you know, there's energy every day when you go to the rink. You're not talking about a six and twenty-two team that they don't, they can't stand each other and want to get out of there. So, it's, uh, I don't know. It's fun. It's a fun time of year, but it is grind. It is. It is. It is difficult at times. I understand the Madison um, Madison Ooh. girls basketball team uh, named their gym after their coach. How about that? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. I did not. Once Al Veneziano has been there now. This is his thirty-first season, and Crystal Blank, who's the athletic director, had said. If he had been, um, if he'd had a little more forethought, he would have done it last year during the 30th season. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, yeah, I understand. And uh, but I thought, one of the things I did not realize in all of that, and Al has, has 375 wins, and he has uh, four regional championships to his credit as a coach. Um, one of the things I did not realize is that when the new Madison High School opened in 1987, but that was the year that Al started as a girls basketball coach. So since they've had the school, he's the only coach they've had. I think oh. that's kind of a cool, yeah, cool it is. nugget. And he's, he's a great guy. Now, listen, I, I will not pretend he's the greatest basketball mind out there. I will not pretend that, um, that I know him super, super well. Um, like any coach, there have been ups and downs, and I'm sure people aren't always happy. But um, I have to say, from, from my perspective, there's not a better guy I've ever dealt with than Al. He's just... Um, he's super nice. He's about the experience. He's about the kids. Winning is aw- winning is great, but it is not the most important thing. And I, and I think it's nice to have a guy that's been there that long and uh, has some perspective. Um, the Dirigo coach, uh, Rebecca Fletcher, she said to me last night, like I remember playing on te- against teams that he coached when she was at Dirigo, and uh, she she said to me, she goes, I can't imagine in today's world 
doing it for 30-something years. She's like, I just, she's like, I've already got more gray hair than I started with, and I've got <laughs> more that, you know, I'm already losing hair, and it's not fair. And, um, and I, I would agree with that. And I think what is unsaid is, is pressures today from parents and uh, probably booster clubs at bigger schools and those kind of things. I just, it's pretty remarkable that, you, that, you, that he's been able to do it that long. And I know they um, recently named their softball field after uh, Colin Campbell, and I know Chris Blank had said it was important for him to get a name on that gym, and he felt like there was uh, no better person than Al. And Al's involved in town government for a decade and a half, and he's been involved in the town's recreation department, you know, working with youth sports, and I just think it's a really, it's a really fitting thing. And it was um, for a guy like myself with no heart and extremely jaded all the time, <laughs> to, see, to see guys like tearing up talking about Al and, and to see Al tear up because he had he had no his wife said I, I saw his wife um, before the game and she said he really has no idea that this is going on still and so I thought that was kind of that was to me it was one of the best parts was that there was some real emotion so that was good outstanding so I know you've covered some hockey games recently in your in Central Maine now, what are some of the recent hockey highlights you've noticed. Well, I thought I thought um, I thought Waterville Winslow played Gardner. I had predicted the score correctly, but I didn't have the right team winning. Um, I thought Gardner was going to win that game. I thought their speed and their physicality would throw Waterville Winslow for a little bit of a loop. But I have to say, um, the old Kennebec Riverhawks—they had a—they had a gear that I didn't know they had. They looked really fast. They looked really composed. They. They got behind two nothing, like two and a half minutes into the game. Still came all the way back and won four to two. And I thought they looked really good. And I think in, in Class B North, um, I don't know. I feel like after I saw that game, I think they might go deeper than I originally thought. Although I still thought they had a shot at the regional final. So I still think they have that. I'm still not convinced they're good enough to beat a team like Camden Hill. But, again, I, I thought the speed they played with the other night was um, was pretty impressive. And I think one of the things that they've done really well is their – their top line is good, um, very good, you know, especially by Class B standards with um, Tom Tivitz and Cody Ivey, and um, they've played a couple of different kids with them. Um, but I really felt like they have um, their second line. Um, it doesn't drop off much. It's not, a, it's not a liability. And I think for any Class B team, as we've seen over the years, if you're going to be good, if you're going to get to a state final, um, you're going to be top line heavy. Most every team is in high school hockey, but I think if you're, but you you can't, your second line can't be a liability. You can't be sweating it every time they're on the ice, hoping they can just give you 40 seconds where nothing bad happens. Um, and I think that's one thing that Waterloo Limpo has right now. So I think they're in pretty good shape. I was impressed. I really was. I thought they um, they rebounded from some early adversity and and uh, you know they're playing good hockey right at a good time of year for them. Can you imagine uh, back along thinking in the wildest dream that Waterville Winslow would be a nope. combined team, not nope. just not just the rivalry cities, but the fact that two premier ice hockey programs. Yep, I wish I had the numbers in front of me, Wayne, because I had um, I had the uh, when I did the story when I broke the story about them coming together, I looked it up and the the number of state championships that they have because I think we we all think of. Waterville as a Class A powerhouse for years. Like yes. When they dropped down to Class B, that was big news. But Winslow has 
off the top of my head, it's a half dozen Class B yeah, state championships. That's right. They've, they've won. And so I think that's what's incredible about it. And I have to say, too, that one of the things about it, again, we're going back a couple of years now to when this all started to take shape, was how quickly it went from, yeah, we've talked about it, to boom, stamp approved, and Waterbury Winslow is now a hockey club. I could not believe there wasn't. I don't know that I thought there'd be, because I, I think the problem, okay, so the trick with schools is um, you can look at it and you can say, we don't want this, we don't want this. I've been a community member of Winslow for 65 years. I've lived here my whole life, and hockey's my lifeblood, and I don't want to be with them. But how many, but how many people but in a school board kind of setting, how many of those types of um, uh, anecdotes are really going to sway the vote? Because at the end of the day, the option was, well, you're either going to have hockey or you're not. So you decide yeah. how you want it to look. And, uh, but it is, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's still, it's still now. I have to I look at it and think, I have to catch myself because I still refer to it as Waterville. And <laughs> sure. that's not right. Yeah. We have a number of Winslow kids who are carrying the load for that. I mean, yeah. Tom Tibbetts. Winslow kid, starting goalie Ben Grenier, Winslow kid. Uh, I mean, it, you can go right through the roster. It, it, it's a pretty even split in terms of the kids that are making an impact. So it's, it's pretty funny, but I think winning solves a lot, right? If you're good, sure. that, can, that can, I think if they were the other way around and they, they I mean, they, they got a first on bye last year, or they, or they played a quarterfinal game and won easily, and then they, they, got, they got beaten up in the regional semifinals last year. But I think, you know, if you're a three or four win team, it's probably probably a lot easier to look at it and go, wow, this is just not working. But they've done a pretty good job being a hockey team. And I do think, you know, I think hockey culture is um, from the time they're kids, and I mean little kids learning to skate, you're playing with kids in these youth programs from a bunch of different towns and schools, and your team changes every year. And I think that helps hockey a little bit. I, I really think it does. I think it doesn't. I think from the outside we look at it and go, like you said, like, wow, can you ever imagine these two would be together? Yeah. From the player's perspective, it's, I show up in the dressing room on the first day and these are my teammates and let's go get them. You know? Yeah. So, he, have hockey culture. he is Travis Barrett of CentralMaine.com. Follow him on Twitter, T Barrett GWC. Travis, thanks so much for joining us today on the B list. Really appreciate it. Anytime, thanks for having me, and uh, go Rams. <laughs> okay. Oh, boo. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Travis Barrett here on the new 105.5 Sports. I did not want to ask him any Patriots questions. I'm sure we'll have a lot to say if the Patriots lose uh, that game to the Rams on Sunday.